When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Performance Anxiety Podcast, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark. And before we get started, remember, if you ever wanted to start your own podcast, pick up the Podcasters Essentials Package from AKG. It's an easy, inexpensive way to get into podcasting with high quality results. In this episode, I've put together a panel of creative people to discuss the effects of literature on popular music. I'm joined by artist Krista DeMeo, author Robert Duncan, and musicians Morgan Gear and Jordan Zadarozny. The ground rules were to pick two musicians who were influenced by literature and use it in their songwriting. The discussion quickly goes off on all kinds of tangents and ends up with the U.S. military blasting heavy metal at Manuel Noriega. Check out new music from Jordan's band Blinker the Star and Morgan's band Drunken Prayer on Bandcamp. Check out Chris's photography on Instagram and grab a copy of Robert's latest book, Loudmouth. Feel free to support the podcast with coffee at ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety or buy stuff at performanceanx.threadless.com. Rate and review to help our algorithms out and enjoy the funniest conversation about music and literature you'll hear today on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. All right, thank you guys for doing this. this is, hopefully this will be fun. I guess the idea is just to discuss the connection between literature, storytelling, and music. And there's a plethora, which is my word of the day, of songwriters who are really amazing storytellers. So I figured we would just talk a little bit about it with a couple of, of songwriters and an author and me also a songwriter <laughs> and well true and me who doesn't do any of that shit i i don't i can't pull up one of my cds but i have uh, <laughs> i'm not an, i'm not illustrious like like morgan or jordan but <laughs> i have written a bunch of songs well so there's really no hard and fast way to get started in this but um I guess one thing I should probably do is introduce everybody so any people know who's on the show and uh, understand who I'm talking to. So I've got Jordan Zedarosny from Blinker the Star, Morgan Gear of Drunken Prayer, his wife Krista, and Robert Duncan, author and former managing editor of Cream. I'll put in claps in post. I may put in a, a better host in post. <laughs> That's my literary thing there. <laughs> can you can you put Joe Rogan in here? <laughs> <laughs> I can, but it's still going to be my voice, unfortunately. Yeah, I'll, I'll be just as squeamish. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I wanted to learn from you guys is 
who influenced you for in your songwriting and in, in your writing in general? Were, were there story songs that you guys really enjoyed listening to, things that really inspired you to start writing? Let's start with... Uh, Jordan looks like he's pondering, so we'll go with. We'll start with Morgan. I'm not just going to point at things. <laughs> um, well, you know, it's like so. I come at it as someone who story songs don't come easy to me, as far as it's like coming up with a fictional just story and just and just running with it. Like this happened, and this and like chronological. Or, or even um, picking up the newspaper and, and like, I would have a hard time writing a song like Hurricane, Dylan's Hurricane. Right. Or or even, uh, I would be closer to being for the benefit of Mr. Kite, which would, we were talking about, because um, when, when I think of lit pop or, or literature and, and popular music, liter- I think of, like, Decemberists or Nick, Nick Cave's... Um, the um the liar and the orpheus um that are just what, what, i'm not going to say these people like, but there's a difference between just having a photographic memory and a large vocabulary and being literate you know what i mean because i don't i don't pull things up that that well i can't be able to say oh here's the story of my day eight years ago it was incredible and i can it's kind of like um people who are really good photographers who find just like these interesting it's like I didn't, I didn't see that scene, and I saw the same thing you were looking at, but you found something profound in that little thing. I don't, I, I, I have a hard time. My, my, my view is from a lot higher up. Kind of. What I mean okay. is like I'm not. I'm, so story, story songs to me is I, I really look up to that kind of a thing, almost like I look up to uh, stand-up comedy for the same reason. It's just to be able to like keep your keep us. A thought like that together and and get from point A to point B to to me is is fascinating because the way I write is more like writing in tongues. It's just just it just <laughs> comes out and then then I find a, a thread later to be like okay I I can I can marry this with a couple of words and then it'll all make sense okay. later on. Robert, what about you? Do you have any anything that really inspired you to to write anything out of music that inspired you to write your music or your books. Well, uh, <laughs> well, what you know, what Morgan said. It's funny what you said. It's kind of like uh, free association and stuff, and that's that's all. That's where I start, whether it's a a book or a or a song. But you know, uh, I, I I realize that like like this this book I wrote, Loudmouth. I'm showing you Adley Stevenson's feet. Uh, oh, that was that was the last, the last podcast. Uh, but but you know that that I was was a kind of <laughs> there it is. That was a uh, you know a first person thing. But I generally like I'm working on another book that's that's just third person has not is really that that book Loudmouth has a lot to do with me, and this thing I'm working on has you know, not much to do with me. And it's not, it's not like that. And, you know, so I think it's kind of the, I think it's, it's, it's what Morgan said. You said something about, it's like, uh, what did you say? I want, I want to quote you accurately. <laughs> so I was only half paying attention. <laughs> so it's more like stream of consciousness and going through stream it. You find... Exactly. Exactly. And, and you get that line or you get that, just something comes into your head and, and, okay. uh, but I'm much more curious to hear Jordan talk about it. 
<laughs> well, I, I, uh, what Morgan said really resonated with me because I'm, uh, I grew up in um, a, a family of musicians, but they're instrumental players, and so I grew up in uh, a living room full of Celtic music, often with a, you know, barons and Elian flutes and fiddles, and so the storytelling song craft is alien to me, and I also admire those who can do it because it seems like an alien craft that I've really not even really tried to sort of approach. And so when you asked me like, um, you know, for two artists, I, I think my two choices really kind of reflect this sort of um, uh, less the storytelling aspect of, of of literature, but more kind of like the more the mystical side. So you, you know, picked the, two instrumental the, artists, didn't you? <laughs> right. Yeah, Alan Holdsworth yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Jacob Pistorius. Oh, that would have been a nice move. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so I'm starting to wonder why I asked all you guys on this. Cause... <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Christian, yeah, so, what is your sort of background? Miscommunication. Oh yeah, <laughs> Christian. What about you? How did how did how does uh, story song work for you? How do, who do you like, and how does it fit into into your art? Well, I was kind of confused when Morgan told me what the subject was because I was like, "What's lip pop?" And then we kind of deconstructed of like, well, what is literature? Like when you initially think literature, you think dusty leather bound books that have a specific novel storyline. And although I will enjoy those, like my literature that I like to read is magical realism. And then I was thinking, well, that kind of music I like too, because I like more psychedelic droning, open to interpretation kind of music. I mean, I listen to rock and roll and I love Towns Van Zandt and, you know, I love kind of the traditional storyline. I like to rock out and I like good songwriters, but it it's also, I don't want to always, you know, listen to Tom Petty or always listen to the stories of Bruce Springsteen. Right. You right. know, I want to kind of just get lost and like, to me, when I think of magical realism as a songwriter, I think of Robbie Basho because I just want to kind of get lost in that world that's really kind of just representative of my own mind. What does that what what does that even mean? I think I made it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, just like, I mean, there there would be the um like like I took it as as, as like more um almost a, a superficial way of describing something that was just very wordy mm. and and like like Decemberists, you know, they they do it well, but but it, it, it's they they kind of wear that on their sleeve as an identifier almost. Mm. It's like we're going to tell these kind of like big. Moby Dick style stories um, using, you know, multi-syllabic words. <laughs> and, 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 just, yeah. and, and so, so th- that idea, if, it, if you're not being so strict with, if you're not just putting music to long stories that don't necessarily even have to rhyme, then, then you could open it up to like, like if we're talking about magical realism, then like, uh, well then Lewis Carroll. And so mm-hmm. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, 
most of John Lennon's uh, later Beatles stuff would fit. And if you're opening it up that far, well then. Shel Silverstein. Shel Silverstein, and then you're getting into it was like what you know it's 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 the problem with any uh, hard and fast genre is where where does the property end? You okay. Know, because because you could say it was like well because you could expand that into be lots of things. What my so me coming at it, I was thinking of storytelling. I'm not necessarily within the song, but people who can tell stories in between songs is like literally sit up there and, and tell uh, stories. Mm. So okay. I, and that, that's why I brought up the, the stand-up comedy thing, because if you listen to someone like um, Todd Snyder, yeah. most of his show is him talking and it's hilarious and it's profound and it goes perfectly into the next song. And the last one comes perfectly mm. in what he's, it's almost like what he's going to say in between is the focus and the songs are kind of bumper music for these stories. And Springsteen does the same thing where it's just like, man, you just went right into this song just, you know, just to melt people, you know? Yeah. That's a really interesting perspective. I hadn't thought of it that way. Just... So it's like deep tracks comedy, right? <laughs> like album cuts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. But that, if you like that, Morgan, I think he would love that Elvis on stage album. That's only <laughs> oh, only God. his between song patter. You know, you know about that. That it's a real album. You know, wow. I, um, uh, it's been... no songs, just patter. That's people, amazing. People, that's an incredible. People have been trying to talk Freakwater into doing a record like that for years. Bloodshot <laughs> ones, and so is Thrill Jacking, saying because they're hilarious. That's kind of their thing. People go to see them just kind of like cut up in between songs. And people have been trying to get them to put out. I think it'd be hilarious if someone, if a musician would put out an all spoken or all comedy record. Well, because Freakwater is almost like the, the two old men in the Muppets, like up in the balcony. <laughs> Stadler yeah. Waldorf. Yeah. yeah, they're just making fun of the audience all the time. Um, the Melvins are good at that too, where, yeah. they, where they're just basically making fun. I saw them in South Carolina, and I was in the back just cracking up because they were they were good naturedly most of the time making fun <laughs> of like these rednecks who came there to see a metal show, yeah. and, and that's not exactly what they were. What they that's were getting. funny. That that's like um. I mean that's like. Uh, you were talking about lit pop being, you know, big words and all that. And it made me think of Lou Reed, yeah, who aspired to be, you know, I, I found a quote today. I actually studied for your, your test, Mark. Oh, and, excellent. Uh, unlike these other fuckers. Yeah, oh. kidding. <laughs> but, but I found a you know, quote by Lou Reed is I wanted to, I wanted to be a novelist, but I wanted to do it in rock and roll. And he didn't use any big words. He was all about, you know, that, that simple short, but he, you know, it, it was very much disguised. Nobody, if you weren't an English teacher, an English professor, you probably wouldn't think that, that yeah. that was literature. But you're right. like when you say Lou Reed, it's kind of like, oh, of course, he's who we're all talking about. But I, yeah. was, I was just listening to him last night. It came on on a, it was it was something with him and um, it was a it was like him and um, John Metallica, John Cale, John Cale. But it was he. It was some phrase. I was just like, it was real. Just like, oh, it was uh, stick a fork in him. He's done, honey. I was like. That's like you hear that phrase all the time. It's like I, that wouldn't have passed my quality control. <laughs> and, and it's like it's it's per, he he gets away with it because he he says he does because it fits the story he's telling. Yeah, it's not it's not particularly clever. It's you know it's something it's just a, a turn of a phrase that we've heard a million times. But that's 
that's good literature. He's painting. He's not, he's not like me. He's not trying to impress you with a turn of a phrase. He's got a bigger, a bigger story he's telling. Okay. And sometimes it requires cliche. But absolutely aspired to literature. So if 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 you're talking about a lit pop, you gotta, you gotta let him in. Yeah. All right. So I wanted to just find out who you guys, who are some of your favorites as far as being able to tell a story maybe in a literary sense or uh, or maybe just uh, just a good storyteller i mean there are plenty of examples of of songwriters borrowing or just outright copying literature for their music and so i wanted to find out if there were people that like your top two that you guys had really looked up to and really enjoyed and maybe i might learn something a little bit and i'll give you an i'll I'll throw out my first person as kind of an example and and i i found out about this guy from Jordan and he's freaking awesome. It's Andy Schaff. And I absolutely love his songwriting. It's, it's so simple, but it's so powerful. It's songs like Wendell Walker. He pointed his rifle to my eyes. But his hesitating him. Shaking from the cold So I pushed his gun away Just as he found his strength that are different perspectives on the same incident. And the song, the first part of the song is Jerry was a clerk. And it's about these four people who go to steal money from this old man. And they're just four bumbling idiots, three guys and a girl. They go and try to steal money from this old man. He's got hidden in a shack. He hears them, fires a warning shot and they run back to the car and there's, only three of them left the three of them take off the other side is a song called my dear helen and it's from the perspective of the old man and what he heard and he realizes that he shot one of these people and killed him and it's he ends the album with with it he ends the the second to last song is jerry was a clerk and the last song is my dear helen and it's such a powerful ending Mm -hmm. of an album it's it's just incredible but his song is so simple yeah. S H O F F? Is that what S H A U F. S H A U F. Yeah, he wow, sounds great. He's like um I don't know, Saskatchewan's really sad Paul Simon. <laughs> so, not bad. Not bad. That yeah. Sounds or, great. Um, yeah. But uh, Jordan's very familiar with him. I Jordan, you posted something about him uh, a couple of years ago and I listened to it and I was just blown away. 
Well, it was that one song, his first sort of song that got him a lot of recognition, which is, is it The Magician? I'm just yes. looking on Spotify. Yeah, yeah. So this song, I mean, I wouldn't, he wouldn't have occurred to me. This is how sort of non-attuned to lyrics I naturally am. I really have to tune into lyrics to really, for them to to um, to register for me. So with, with Andy Schauf, I was purely attracted to um, what I thought Aptly, it's called the magician. the The majesty of the production of it, which was sort of a mix of, um, you know, the the early John Lennon records, very quiet drums, dry, dry rhythm section, but then with this imposing string section, yeah, with a big reverb on it, and he's sort of um, crooning, double tracked you know, very 70s sort of underneath it. And I, I was just sort of astonished at the production and the mixing. Mm. And um, it, I'm, I, I know that you already know more about him than I do because I just sort of dip in <laughs> here and there to see what Andy's mm. doing. But um, I didn't know that he could spin a yarn like you're saying. So that's oh. kind of news to me, actually. It's amazing. I highly recommend everybody check his stuff out. His last album is Neon Skyline. And, and the album itself is just, it's about like four people going out to a, a club or something, but it's amazing because he takes something very simple. His, the album that Jordan was talking about is called the party. And the whole album is about a group of people going to a party and all the insanity that seems mundane, but he makes it sound like there's so much going on. There's so many different storylines woven in and out of this party and in and out of going to this club on neon skyline. It's just amazing. He takes mundane, everyday occurrences and makes them seem like the biggest thing that's happening to each character. Wow, sounds great. So he's he's mine. Ladies first. Let's, Krista, I don't know if you're prepared for this because I think Morgan is going to use you as a DH. And uh, <laughs> so I'm not sure if you had time to to think of anybody, but who are, who are some songwriters that, that you really fall well, back to? I don't write songs, so I guess I'm just coming from it from a listener perspective. Like me. But but Leonard Cohen just takes the house down for me every single time. Yeah. And he's coming from a poet's perspective. But a, a modern songwriter that I like is I got from I mean I most modern stuff I learned from Morgan, but it's Ron Sexna. Seems like it's been years. Because I love Tom Waits stories, 
I like Dwight Yoakam's stories. I like listening to him tell stories. Um, I think that he's a good songwriter. Um, I even think of Dwight Yoakam. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you if you take away all the extra production, like the Acoustic.net CD that came out like 20 years ago, right. where it's just him and the guitar, like then you could just listen to the story. And it's, I guess I just fall into, I like to read different types of stories. I don't always want to read a novel um, because right. Bruce Springs does write really good stories, but I'm like, I get, I get kind of bored hearing that kind of story. I don't want to, someone to tell me every single detail. I want there to be space in between what they're saying so that I can have some sort of fantasy about it. Um, oh, and, and um, I mean, Jason Molina too, I think was a really good songwriter. Similarly, he's kind of one note. I'm not, I'm not always in the mood to listen to his depressing stories, but <laughs> I'm, to him, I'm like, it's exactly what I want. So I guess those would be mine. All right. Robert, throw one at me. Oh, you you scared me when you said, "Oh, I've got a good one. Nobody will know." And I thought, "Oh, fuck!" That <laughs> what a, what a cheat. Um, you know, you know, we we mentioned uh, the Beatles, Lennon, McCartney. I mean, you know, a day in the life. I don't know. It doesn't really get any better than that. Uh, a day in the life, and and uh, which is kind of a story song, and yet it has a little bit of that um, stream of consciousness thing going on that we've been talking about, especially when it kind of fractures out into that McCartney bridge. But um, but you know, a band I I hated the first time I heard them, and then I fell in love with, and I became completely addicted to is Donald Fagan and Walter Becker, Steely Dan. Oh, nice. And, you know, holy shit. And and I was thinking, well, you know, what would you, I mean, he tells story songs like a song like Kid Charlemagne, which is about, you know, that's the one about the drug dealer at college. And they, and they say, every, you, everybody had your number written on the, every A-frame had your number on the wall. Uh. On the hill, the stuff was laced with kerosene, but yours was kitchen clean. Everyone stopped to stare at your technical motor. Every airframe had your number on the wall. You must have had it all. And you remember there's the line, and he goes into falsetto. He, he, he breaks into falsetto for it. Is there gas in the car? Yes, there's gas in the car. You know, <laughs> he just kind of like a, a mock opera thing there. Anyway, something like Kid Charlemagne is just, you know, and, and it's it's kind of, it's the kind of thing I couldn't do. It's really novelistic. Or or something like uh, Doctor Wu or what were I was just thinking of some other songs of his Doctor Wu Gaucho you know so I, I you know I give uh, Becker and Fagan you know high high marks and I, I just think they're a whole different kind of uh, animal uh, I I love that Leonard Cohen too I had famous Blue Raincoat down here as a as a, fam a favorite song I mean. Okay. Not a, not, it's not an obscure song, but it's still, it's just still one of the greatest songs. And when it comes on, I just want to immerse in it, you know? Yeah. Well, th and these don't have to be obscure people or anything. I'm just trying to figure out who everybody likes and maybe some people I should go back and check, go more deeply into. So yeah. Jordan, what do you get? What do you have? Uh, okay. So I was just sort of thinking how to set this one up and, and um, I thought I'd go back to like my last year of high school 
I, I started not taking classes so seriously, cutting a lot of classes with my friends, but we were often going to the library, to the public library, cutting <laughs> class to go to the public library. Nice. Uh, <clears throat> right. You're doing and, it um, wrong, Jordan. Yeah. And also to play music and also to drink beer, but we would, we would do that as well. And um, so in my last year of high school, I was missing English literature class a lot. And uh, the teacher was, you know, sort of disappointed because he was kind of looking forward to having me as a student. And so to make it up to him for the independent study, I told him I would do Ulysses, which is an enormous undertaking for a 17 year old kid. So I read the thing, did a report, got the A, and at around the same time, Kate Bush put out this song called The Sensual World. And it it happened right at the right time. I was like, oh, I know about that. And I, you know, I might've been the only 17 year old in Canada who could say that at that time because <laughs> of this, you know, brazen move. When I learned about um, what the song was about, you know, she was doing a lot of, I just remember, I don't know if she came over here to do press, but much music in Canada, which is the MTV equivalent, was crazy about her. You know, um, she was, as far as I know, bigger in Canada per capita than in the States. She was like, you know, it felt like she was a real, real pop star up here growing up as a teenager. And so, that song has really always stuck with me. Now, I was reading about the construction of it recently, and it sort of, I, I wouldn't say it changed, didn't change my feelings about the song, but um, it was interesting to learn that what she wanted to do was she wanted to take um, the Molly Bloom sort of reverie part and just take a section that she had heard read aloud somewhere and just verbatim read from James Joyce's text into the song and it worked. She went and did it and recorded it and it worked perfectly. She approaches the the Joyce estate, no go, you heathen. Mm. Um, (laughs) Years later, they realize she's a world treasure, you know, and they allow her, I think, you know, only 10 years ago or something to re-record it and she put put it somewhere, I'm not quite sure where. Um, But what this restriction did is it forced her to create her own version of Joyce and to basically walk right up beside him and insert herself into this novel and sort of do her own thing with it. And even if you just like, I'm, I really am one of those people that don't believe you can separate lyrics too much from the music. Although in Leonard Cohen's case, I mean, he's a poet first. So yeah, you really can, I think. But for that song, um, she basically inserts herself into in, into Joyce, and she sort of um, ta- uh, does something new with it. She kind of like takes Molly out of the sort of like black and white world of print and says, hey, come into the living world with us real people, this flesh and blood reality. And it's just beautiful the way she does it. it to me, it just hasn't aged a bit, and um, I, I can't get enough of it still, that oh, song. Wow. 
have to go check yeah. that out again. You know, it's, this is going to be a shameless plug for the network, but Pantheon Podcast, the network that I'm part of, does have a Kate Bush podcast. They go through her albums, track one album at a time, chronologically, track by track. So, mm. so if you're a big Kate Bush fan, you should check that out. Yeah. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Right. I'm writing these things down. I'm just like, I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this sounds so great. Morgan, okay. how about you? Well, it's still, um, I actually just Googled definition of literature. Because <laughs> 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 I, I struggle with like, what do, what do you, because I can list just songwriters I like, right. but that's not exactly what we're talking about. And I was just like, well, I'm trying to think of a of a good hard line to where I, th- I think it's um, you're not if to to be if you're doing more of a lit to whatever genre lit this lit that it's it's doesn't necessarily have to move you one way or another I think I think like a like a story doesn't necessarily have to I think it just ha- it has to be you found some some it has to have kind of be good enough to have some kind of lasting quality that someone would want to do it again pass it down to, to eventually turn into um, some kind of folk music okay um, so with with that in mind i've got all these these lists so it's just like like so there's plenty of people i would not put in that category that are that are my favorite like i wouldn't necessarily put harry nelson in there or necessarily tom waits either i think they 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 write great songs but it's not necessarily and they're moving but it doesn't necessarily tell a story and i'm, I'm wondering if it even has to tell a story and i kind of think it it does. What um, the meaning doesn't necessarily have to be overt, but it, but it does have to have meaning and and possibly even a message in there okay. somewhere. Um, so with with that, I'd say I, I usually um, lean towards brevity. I would put Chuck Berry in that that category. That it's both moving and it tells he tells incredible stories and it quick. Mm-hmm. I, would put him, I would put him in the same. On the, on the same, not even the same category, but like like standing right next to Hank Williams, in in this kind of like they get it done, they get from they get from point A to point C really fast, and you know everything you need to know, and it leaves you enough for your imagination to fill in the blanks. There's just enough detail, and that detail is critical. You know, they might not say uh, when this is, but you'll 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 know how how it is. Last time I saw Marie, she's waving me goodbye With hurry home drops on her cheek that trickle from her eye Marie is only six years old, information please Try to put me through to her in Memphis, Tennessee Right. Uh, um, Absolutely. Memphis, so Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Her drops on her cheek, and I, and I think mm. they come from the same kind of wellspring of economy, and they don't have a lot of big words to choose not to use. <laughs> but they they have they have more than enough at their disposal. That said, I, I think by the, the 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 songwriter for me that, that covers the most bases between economy and painting a, a near psychedelic picture is Rennie Sparks yeah. from the Handsome Family. 
Um, she, she writes the songs, Brett sings them. Um, so he puts to music what she writes, um, and they 100% tell a story, but none of it is spoon fed and, but it puts you, it puts you right in there. Um, and it's not always moving. It doesn't always necessarily make you want to dance or even bring a tear to your eye, but it's, they're incredible stories that you can't imagine them being told any other way. From the dusty mesa, necessarily up for interpretation even though andrew bird did a whole album interpreting (laughs) (laughs) that's interesting all right so i've got a guy that that kind of does everything he's got the economy of of words he does some brief songs but he also writes huge epic 20 minute pieces of music especially on their last album my last guy is steve harris from iron maiden Whoa! <laughs> there you go. Because they they wrote short songs. You got Aces High. I mean, that tells an amazing story. But Did then they run to the hills. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a great story. Yeah. And then there's, there's also you know Passchendaele, a you know story about war. Laying low in a bloodbath trench. Brighter than a thousand suns, the story of, of building the atom bomb. There's fictional stuff, Dance of Death, where he's the, the protagonist is in, is going through a swamp and meets these gypsies and they do this crazy dance and it's it's they've I don't they've got Book of Souls, which is like the longest song Iron Maiden ever recorded in the studio. It's like twenty minutes long. I I, I don't even know what the hell it's about. I, I listened to it once and I'm like Iron Maiden with piano. Oh no, but. You know, that rhyme of the ancient mariner. For God's sakes, they just took a Samuel Coleridge poem and put it music to it. Like erudite than exactly. That. That's <laughs> literally literature yeah. in metal. In fact, I'm sure I'm not the only one who had to read that in their senior year of high school. And as soon as they got to the parts that Iron Maiden had verbatim in the song, raised my hands that I volunteer to read that part. <laughs> because I knew it by heart. So I wanted to impress my teacher. Like, yeah, I've been reading this. So I don't, I'm not even going to look at the words. I'll just recite it by heart because I've just listened to Iron Maiden do Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner 10,000 times. So, wow. so that's, that's my second pick, Steve that's, Harris. That's mind blowing. Well, maybe I missed something with I may I've ignored Iron Maiden all my life and that's my ignorance i you, guess you didn't realize it could teach you something wow well now i'm gonna go listen to it 
I'm gonna have to make a playlist. So much of the music is 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 pulled from uh, classical music, uh, and so it's it's a natural kind of marriage of these these themes where you have these kind of Wagnerian songs or mm. and so you're of course it's going to be a Das thou art love me. Yeah. <laughs> those, <laughs> those are exactly the songs that I avoided all my life. <laughs> well, so, yeah, and and. Anything, by the way, anything named lit pop, I would have been like, I'm out of here. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> you think you're better than me? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know, yeah, it was just, it was just me being stupid. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's go in reverse now. All right, Morgan, who's your yeah. next guy? Well, I kind of. Uh, Did you have a chance to Google anybody while I was spouting off on Steve Harris? Well, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of failed because I was also trying to think of no. Uh, um, it seemed like a challenge when we start off with with an instru- with instrumental that can tell a story. Yeah. And I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and I I, I want to say I failed. <laughs> Possibly um, uh, Mark Rebo and his oh. incantations of his bands because it's a. Yeah. Uh, they have they have they have orchestral flow to them. They have beginnings, middles, and ends, and something is happening in a Peter and the Wolf kind of a way. Not Jay Giles, Peter and the Wolf. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, was, I wanted to also say uh, like put in some gospel music plugs in there for like Tommy Dorsey and how you can you take. I mean, who am I? I'm not critiquing Tommy Dorsey because he writes easy music, but but it, it, it's it's an automatic frame around what you're doing when you whenever you're, it's like painting religious paintings is like well I've got my subject and I can just do that for a thousand years. Right. Um, so yeah. I would say um, uh, low hanging fruit, Randy Newman. I'm a I am a history major and I I like um, nonfiction. And Randy Newman is, for the most part, nonfiction. I like his I like his stories about things that happened without without getting but without being a journalist about it, like like Hurricane. Right. Um, it's like uh, a fiction fictionalized account of something that really happened. My daddy was a barber, the most unsightly man. Born in Tuscaloosa, he died right here in Birmingham. Birmingham, Birmingham, the greatest city in Alabama. You can travel across. Okay. Jordan, who's your number two? Well, he's Van Morrison. Because I, I wanted to put him in there just because, um, well, not just because, um, but largely because I recently kind of just, I don't know, started listening to his records again, mostly the 80s records, ah. which are an interesting journey if you take the time to do it. it mm-hmm. In a way, there's sort of like this distance um, production wise, you know. He, Sonically, he's going into a much smoother sort of, you know, musical sounding background. Mm-hmm. And it's a little alienating um, at first, but it's interesting because uh, it's he, he doesn't appropriate literature at all like Kate Bush does. I or mean, Steve he's Harris. sort of almost, 
he, yeah, <laughs> he's sort of almost more like he kind of name drops a lot, right? In the eighties, he's name dropping <laughs> authors, and he's name dropping basically just sort of the standard canon of of the you know European literature, and um, I, I feel he's kind of using it as just like one of many colors in his increasingly insular palette because by the time he gets into the 80s i feel he's sort of like rejecting intellectualism uh, you know inarticulate speech of the heart um and i listened i i got fascinated with this record he put out in 1980 called uh, common one and if you haven't heard it recently go back yeah. to it okay it's I would say, I mean, I, I to me, it's his greatest record. It's it's his most meditational record. Yeah. And the last track, um, it's it's one of these long sort of um, artfully played. He 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 got together a really great band and a great engineer. They went to France, and um, <clears throat> it's it's musically extreme. There's an, a sensitivity amongst the musicians that's really extraordinary. And lyrically, he's kind of, you know, sort of repeating these sort of incantations that are basically kind of saying, let go, it is what it is. When your heart is open, words are not necessary. And yet I find it so interesting that he's, you know, going to great lengths in the 80s to also sort of just say, hey, don't forget John Donne and Arthur Rambo and Coleridge or whatever. When there's no coming And there's no going And when hearts open You will meet your lover I kind of just wanted to throw him out there okay. just to sort of chum to Robert almost <laughs> and just sort of like, you know, soothe. No, I... um, because, you know, I don't really, my thinking of him is sort of evolving. I'm becoming more fascinated by the conundrum that is him. And I, I was kind of looking for a good book on him and there's nothing really recent. Um, there's sort of this weird... There, there is that guy fear of approaching him now or something as a, you know, his legacy is long now, but he's still putting out two albums a year. Well, there's a he, lot to deal with. And he, and he, he really achieved his peak performance with that anti-mask song. He did an anti-mask song about how, oh, COVID is just a hoax and all this stuff. It's like, dude, just stop. <laughs> Quit while you're ahead. So oh, doesn't anyone love you? <laughs> yeah, but Robert, yeah, you're he, saying that there is a a recent uh, well, book there is a it. recent book. Um, okay, it's a guy in Boston that did it, and he it's all about Van Morrison did a stint in Boston, and there was a a really celebrated show he did in a club in Boston, and this was all just before Astral Weeks or one of the just one of his canonic right. album so and it's supposed to be great I, I i forget what the i follow the guy on uh on various social media because he mm. it, it, yeah just check it google it. it and it just came out like in the okay. summer or fall right and uh yeah robert you're up next 
Well, you can't leave Van Morrison off the list. I, um, I left him off the list because I thought, well, everybody's going to say Van Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be the cool guy who says, uh, I mean, I, I even, let's see, what did uh, Andy Schauf, I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. say. You picked Steve Harris too, didn't you? <laughs> and I, Aiden, what the hell? Damn it! So I, I said Becker and Fagan, and I said, you know, Lennon and McCartney. With you know, I'm not, I'm not in obscure territory there either. I had as, as one of my top guys, Chuck Berry, as well. Memphis, Tennessee, and Johnny B. Good. I mean, you know, what do you want? You know, I and and again, not an obscure artist, but Keith Richards and Mick Jagger. And if you go to like Beggar, I, I was, I, I would narrow it down. I mean, first of all, I'm, I was have always been a big Stones fan, but uh, Beggar's Banquet, you know, and you go to Sympathy for the Devil. And, if, and I was trying to find things that were like what Morgan talked about, story songs. You know, there's like the history of the world, uh, Sympathy for the Devil, that happens to also be a great song. Stuck around St. Petersburg when I saw it was a time for a change. Killed the saw and its ministers, Anastasia screamed in vain. I rode a tank in a generous rank when the blitzkrieg raged. Um, oh, and I also wanted to just throw in there that Steely Dan, remember their their um, their name comes from literature. It comes from William Burroughs, name of a dildo in in, yeah. uh, <laughs> in Naked Lunch, as, as we all know. But but I, you know, just the when you start looking at all this this lit lit pop, uh, you'll you'll you find that oh my god, that that's based on a movie that was based on this, and it, it kind of goes on and on. A, a few others I had, uh, you know, well, the Towns Van Zant. You you mentioned um, Joni Mitchell. You you have to mention, mm-hmm. yeah, a, a band, a a more a, a more latter day band, although they they're getting pretty old right right about now. Is 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 the Drive By Truckers and yes. Patterson Hood and Mike Cooley, who are great writers, and then they had Jason Isbell in in. Uh, in, in the band for a while. He was my alternate but, if somebody else picked either Steve Harris or Andy Shelf. <laughs> but, but you know, like, there, I, I was kind of rooting around in, in, in Drive-By Truckers, and I was like, there's a wonderful Patterson song that, that I just love called Two Daughters and a Beautiful Wife, yeah. and it's about a guy who dies. And... When he reached the gates of heaven He didn't understand Friends were coming over. Was it all a dream? Was it all a crazy dream? I saw them playing there before him. And then, of course, Patterson, they did their rock opera, Southern rock opera, oh. you know. Uh, uh, Love that. And let there be rock, which is the opening song on that thing. I think it is, uh, is great. Used to be a cop. Another Patterson Hood song is great. But uh, and Jason Isbell did Danko Manual. These are all oh, yeah. feel very much to me outfit like, like story songs. Um, and and Cooley has oh geez, Cooley did that song of Check Out Time in Vegas. Yeah. God damn it. That's you know what does he say? It's a. Uh, uh, 
oh, a head full of something and a trunk full of guns. Yeah. And that's how it starts out. And it's just, <laughs> it's great. But I, I wanted to throw in here as as the elder of the bunch here, I, I the, the first story songs I remember, because it's a genre that's not, no longer kind of, it, 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 I guess there was a fad for it, you know, maybe in the early 60s, late, late, late 50s, early 60s. But I'm thinking about the first, you know, story song I ever heard was The Battle of New Orleans by Johnny Johnny Horton. Oh, yeah. I, didn't, I was young enough that I didn't know who the artist was, but I loved you. It was 1814, and we took a little trip, you know, that yeah. thing. And it all rhymed, so seemed so uh-huh. clever to kid. And um, Big Bad John by Jimmy Dean was another story of the the, the miner holds up the mine so everybody can escape, <laughs> and then he's killed. And then, of course, there's, there's well, um, El pa- uh, Marty Robbins, El Paso, you oh, know. Yeah. Uh, the um, trilogy. You know, the, those are great. And, and then the other one I remember from, I, uh, now I'm getting a little bit older, but it was when Bobby Gentry owed, owed to Billy Joe. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are, all, those are all kind of classic story songs. Yeah. And it would be it would, I think it would be hard for an artist today or in recent years to to do one of those. That would be mm. kind of that would be corny. So it means it's it really is due to be done again. Yeah. Is Ringo is Ringo in that category? Oh, that that <laughs> song Ringo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm sure it is. I don't remember it. I, I do remember the name. I think um, it's Lauren Green. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. 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 Ringo. Wow. Right. Yeah. Oh God! Well, what were the lyrics? Or sing a few bars. It's about a gunslinger coming into the town, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I, when I was thinking of how do you define story songs, which is where I where I thought we kind of wound up, we were going, was one of the things I that that it may come from. It's often the song that comes out of cowboy movies. So it's a certain era, you know. When I when I in the early '60s when I was a kid, I you know it was. Cowboy movies, war movies, and cowboys. What, what else did oh, I? Yeah. Songs and, and songs that have like a self-consciousness, where it's often the ballad of something or other, and mm. and and they'll they'll also tell you the the name of of the the main character's name will be in the in the text of the song. So uh, the ballad of something. They're often longer. A lot of times, no bridge. Maybe you know it'll just keep going like Dylan does. Uh, I don't know. That's that's the <laughs> to find them so I can figure out what to look for, and but that that's it. Well, I like that you brought up Marty Robbins. The, uh, I I completely forgot about Marty Robbins. I love Marty Robbins. Yeah. Wreck of Edmonds Fitzgerald. Wreck of the Edmonds Fitzgerald. Well, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, it's like story songs. But, but that 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 is you're in you're into a you're into specifically story songs, which would take out. Or would it take out uh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamond? That's that's a story. Picture yourself on a boat in the river. Well, but I went exactly to Lucy in the Sky because I was thinking when I started thinking about the self consciousness of the the story song, where it starts out, picture yourself, and I thought, mm. well, that's that's a clue that, that it's mm. a story song where you're. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, Woke up on a time, basically. Like it's it, thousands of blues. Woke up this morning. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh shit! What did I, I had one of the? Uh, oh, I can't remember. But well, yeah. Uh, well, speaking of telling you a story, I was thinking. I mean, this didn't occur to me earlier, but it really should have. Is Bon Scott? Um, speaking of, going to tell you a story about a woman oh. I know. 
right. to love right. and she steals the show. I mean, um, and, and I remember there was one um, line in an obituary in a, in a mojo or something tribute to Bon Scott where one of his actual friends, or I think it was the singer in, um, what was that other Australian hard rock band that kind of didn't make it out of Australia? You might know them, Mark. Uh, oh. Um, they had that, sing the singer was filthy something. Uh, oh, I know who you're talking about, but I, I don't know the yeah, name. They were good. Anyway, it was it was it was oh. he eulogizing Bon, and he was like, he goes, you know, me and Bon, we were the last of the street of the rock and roll street poets. You know, we, we it all died after that. You know, huh, yeah. and I was like, ah, yeah, he really was, and um, he really knew how to tie together a funny story. You know, like a a, a nod and a wink, a sexual yarn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Being broke, you know, down payment blues is a great, great lyric, you know, yeah. um, off of. Um, something that, that uh, I noticed that a lot of songs, if you think about just like why we wouldn't necessarily first think of Bon Scott as being a street poet, is that they've been a band without him longer than they have with them and if and a lot of these songs we're talking about one thing that a lot of them lack is a hook and um uh like i said it's like being particularly uh moving if it's because you're sitting there listening to a story that you want that you're engrossed in the lyrics and and one thing that um, and i love i like early acdc i like i like bon scott era mm -hmm. but it's not particularly hooky you know like mm -hmm. like it, after he left because he's writing story songs that aren't necessarily, they're not, the inspiration isn't, oh man, I've got, I just need to put words to this melody because I can't stop singing the melodies. And like, no, I've got, I need to put music to a story because I can't stop thinking about this story. Whereas after that, it's, you know, it's back and black. The story about my enormous balls. I've got to tell the world. <laughs> how big they are but that that drive-by trucker song that let there be rock where he sings at the end and and the you know but you know this great i i never saw leonard skinner but i did see acdc with bon scott singing let there be rock oh, it's, it's yeah. such a great ending to the and the song he, that's the that's the refrain at the at the end of the song and that it's is so a great, great story song yeah, that, that's that, a story song about a story songwriter. Yeah, and uh, it, I, that that's that's another thing I came up with that was, or I started thinking about, you know, musicians who became writers and writers who became musicians. Wow. So I, I, let me throw that out for the the panel. <laughs> wow! Right off the top of my head, I'm having trouble with that one. <laughs> hey, uh, didn't Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden write a children's book? Did he? <laughs> I'm he sure did. he did. Yeah. Well, it's oh, good yeah. because he doesn't write any of the lyrics to Iron Maidens. <laughs> yeah, well, he's pent up. He has to do, you know. Well, Tattooed Millionaire. Well, Dave you know. is one of them, a, a musician who became a writer. Mm -hmm. um, John Darnielle from uh, Mount, Mountain Goats, who uh -huh. won a National Book Award with his with his book. Oh, wow. um, but, you Jim, know. Jimmy Buffett. Oh, that's right. He wrote the Pirate <laughs> Gets yeah, the middle age or whatever it is. Like about owning a, a sea a seaplane and going down to uh, <laughs> the Cuba and you're having an awesome time. That speaks uh, to right, all of us. Uh, right, you know, I think of that whenever I'm in my seaplane. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, writers who became musicians: Leonard Cohen, writer; Allen Ginsberg. You know, he was a musician of sorts. Oh and, yeah. Uh, 
uh, my old friend Lester Bangs, you know, went on and did a few records. Oh, wow. Richard Meltzer, who is another rock critic, had a band called Vom, you know, and they opened for the Sex Pistols at the Sex Pistols, you know, at the Winterland show in, in the final wow. show in Dave, San Francisco. Jim Carroll. Dave Barry. Oh, yeah. And with uh, 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 Stephen King. Stephen King. That, 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 the back, the, uh, the whatever remainders. I'm coming uh, up with then, all these goofballs. <laughs> then, there was a guy named, there, there was a guy named, and I remember him, you probably wouldn't remember him, but there was, there was a guy named John Mendelssohn who was a, a big kind of rock oh. critic. He wrote for Rolling Stone and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then he put together a band called Christopher Milk. I have never listened to wow. it, but, but it, they, they made a couple of, you know, major label records. I, I, I don't, you know, I, I was always intrigued, but not enough to go listen to it. I was sitting in my wheelchair Trying in vain to hide the fear That all that lay ahead for me Was football games and beer Musicians who became writers I said John Dar Richard uh, John Darnell, uh, who I love. Uh, Richard Hell, you know, went. Mm. He's doing novels now. That's what he does. Oh, is he? Yep. Sam Shepard, before he was a playwright, he was a musician. Nick Cave, Pete Townsend, you know, wrote his actually wrote his uh, autobiography. Wasn't ghosted or anything. So and then got a couple of autobiographies. And then did Patty Smith. Patty Smith. Uh, so I guess oh, yeah. poet who became a musician, yeah. I pulled one out. I did it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's 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 got to be tons. I I kind of I got bored with the with the game. Uh, <laughs> well, all right. Well, so we're all talking about you know, story songs that we like. What about ones that you hate? Like, uh -huh. I freaking hate Alice's Restaurant. Yeah. I absolutely <laughs> despise that song. If I could burn every copy. It's not. It might not be the song's fault though. It's just from this because you're forced to listen it's to it all the time. Too damn long. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I don't like Arlo Guthrie, and I don't know what else he did besides that godforsaken song, but it's it's terrible. I absolutely hate it. And and here's one that I actually I, I'm going to say I like. I don't know. How, I don't know everybody's opinion of Billy Joel, but I actually love scenes from an Italian restaurant. I think that's a really great story. Really interesting. I mean, maybe it's because I grew up in no New Jersey. Comment. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it's just because I grew up in New Jersey, and I can I, I I feel like I know the people in that song because I knew so many Tinas and Brendas and Eddies. It's just I don't know. I've got a good subcategory: story story songs that you've used as to, as a torture device. Well, oh, they're Alice's Restaurant. There's one. <laughs> I've. Uh, when I was a kid, I locked my my kid brother into a room and put old Shep on on the uh, <laughs> on the needle. And I opened the door three minutes later, and he was he was just a puddle of tears on the floor. I was like, I, I have all a, in the day's work. It's like a Gitmo detainee. I have an actual related, almost like Gitmo. But my uh, my uh, friend's father was a was a military all his life. And he was involved in psych psyops with the military, wow. and he's this. He became the subject of the that book and movie, The Men Who Stare at Goats. 
And wow. um, so, yeah. So he, in fact, I read the book. I read about the book and then I read the book and I came in and I said to Parker, we were business partners. I said, your father's in a book. What the fuck? <laughs> and, uh, and he was like, yeah, don't talk to me about it. Cause he oh, was just, wow. he was so horrified. Wow. But he, um, <laughs> they talked about in, in Parker had told me, my partner had told me this, uh, this story that, that his father said, Hey, give me some loud, loud uh, music you'd like. And, and so Parker gave him a bunch of heavy metal records and they went down there and they played them at Manuel Noriega when they, in Nicaragua, uh, not Nicaragua, uh, in uh, Panama, Panama, when they were they were trying to extract, get him to come out of his house, and so that my my business partner Parker Shannon was the was the architect of the the capture of Manuel Noriega because That's of his, amazing. His, his, I read it was back in black that they they put on ad nauseum. <laughs> I, I asked him. I was. I wish I had thought about it before we talked, but it's. But so he actually tortured somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think I actually was just reading the book and I didn't realize it had anything to do with his father. And I was like, what? Wow. That's I know. He he only died a a couple years ago. Incredible. That's amazing. Total. He was a character. All right. I'm kind of, we were a little worried about going off on tangents and rambling. And I loved it. I kind of, I kind of lost where we were at and I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Someone. Someone had brought so irresponsible. Up, I know I'm a terrible host. <laughs> name, name dropping. Someone had brought up people who, who name drop in there in in the songs. Yeah. And I was reminded again of the um, Nick Cave on the Liar and the Orpheus. He's got a couple of songs where all he does is mention characters from books <laughs> about like they did this like in this story and then this happened like this and it just rattling it off and it, it really you know it, it, it doesn't it doesn't tell me anything because i i didn't read any of those books i, I don't yeah. get the reference it's like, yeah. like like watching like a smarter dennis miller it's just like all these references just... it's funny you did but Jordan talked about um, the Van Morrison. I, I'm curious what those records are in the 80s. I can't remember which which records came in the 80s. But you were talking about Van Morrison dropping literary names. But before that, he always dropped, you know, Jackie Wilson says, and yeah. he dropped, he he, you know, rock and mo- mostly R and B names. And yeah. uh, so it, that's he, good just inside into how he writes too, and that he's he's singing about the things that are like in front of him right, right then maybe, maybe literally you know it's just like this is what i yeah. did today and yeah. and and where did i get my advice well jackie wilson said he did, yeah. or he's yeah. just an annoying obnoxious name dropper yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, both. he's both <laughs> i mean <laughs> yeah why not oh man he's, he's, so krista you've been silent for a little a while let's get you back in on this what do you, are there any story songs that you just absolutely can't stand, uh, or would like no. to torture somebody I mean, with? If you were to torture me, you would just play Garrison fucking Keeler's voice, and I would just <laughs> <laughs> any note, any tone, anything from his voice. You like that song, Walking in Memphis? No, that's Paris. Oh, no. So the, <laughs> my friends. And my friend and I have songs that we like, we'll just kind of, we'll rickroll each other, but she has her songs and I have my songs. And I, I just, I hate sticks. They just annoy me. Oh, Mr. Roboto. I mean, 
like sorry not sorry but they just annoy me so like but it's really oh, just, yeah i mean it's just, <laughs> yeah it's just preference it's, it has really nothing to do with the songs i mean i just if i don't like something i don't suffer through it i just turn it off or tune it out you know i maybe it's the benefit of growing up in a large family you can just kind of yeah. I, I did want to throw out, I haven't heard Chris Christopherson's name in this conversation. Uh, I yeah. feel like he is yeah. deserving to be in there. And yeah. Harry Nilsson. Yeah. Harry Nilsson yeah. and Neil Young both have an, an ability to, to tell a story and have a hook at the same time. So maybe it's like grocery store, um, like $2 novel kind of stories, but yeah. there's yeah. It's, it has its place. Uh, I, I love Harry Nilsson's. And I could, I could, get lost in his kind of pop world stories. Like I was actually going to choose Neil Young. The, the reason I, I didn't is for two, two songs in particular, T-Bone and People on the Street. <laughs> like, piece of crap. It's a piece of crap. Yeah, piece of crap. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's uh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of telling a story too, an economy of words, because he the economy of words. That, that's the epitome of, of the economy of words. I bought this. It was a piece of crap. The bottom <laughs> fell out. It was a piece of crap. Talks about like necessarily pass our quality control. Our heroes let fly. Yeah. Stuff. That. Neil Young let everything fly, but, though. But that's, then, yeah, yeah, he also wrote Cortez the Killer and Powderfinger, and it's you know, but our heroes made yeah. fifty yeah. messy records, you know, and, yeah. and yeah. I'm glad that I'm glad that they made fifty messy records to get, you know, on rainy days to go through them and like, ah, oh, really, huh? <laughs> you know, like, I, I love, I, I now love Reactor by Neil Young, yes. you know, just because of those days, like. What was he up to? I'll I'll take landing on water because it you know bless this mess. I say <laughs> I yes. like landing on water. Really? Uh, oh, me too. Yeah. Me too. I I, yeah. oh, I can't what? take it. Neil yeah. Young is the master of the cheap rhyme where you think, oh no, don't rhyme. But he makes it, <laughs> somehow he makes it work. It's just it's always like, oh come on, that's too obvious or whatever. And, but I always think, how come he makes it work? How come he gets away with that? You know. Uh, because he's he's got that he's got that seven minute long song about a, a salmon on a on uh, is it American Stars and Bars or the one before that? Oh, a salmon like it's it's it's, it's a fish it's a fish of some kind. It's like seven nine minutes long. Oh my oh, god, it's, it's a good song. I mean, it's not good enough that I can remember the name of. It. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let let me throw another name out here, which I, I you know, and I and I I put them on, and I was thinking, well, it's not. It's not classic story songs, but I think uh, what's going on, Marvin Gaye, that mm. that album is a suite of story songs, and, and, and specifically the songs, what what's going on. Mother, mother, there's too many of you crying. Brother, 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 there's far too many of you die you know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today yeah. father, father. i mean it's kind of like it's kind of promising i'll tell you a story 
it's what's yeah. going on. Uh, it doesn't do some of those other things that that story songs do. And you know, inner city blues. I mean, they're both, and they they really were dispatches from the from the wars. Living for the city, the message. Yeah, yeah, living, yeah exactly. You know, and we, we yeah we haven't talked about hip hop and yeah and, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. That's a good point. I'm not very familiar with it, so I'm not a good person to bring that one up. Between journal, between the more journalism type songs and literature, where where it's whereas literature is a little more gonzo sometimes, to where it's this is this is me inside of a story as opposed to this is the story. Right. Right. Like purely public awareness. Right. I'm telling the story of my heartbreak instead of I'm telling the story of your heartbreak. You know? Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. yeah. Another another guy nobody brought up with Levon Helm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the band, you know, yeah. all that. So, um, well, is there any other directions we want to take this, or are we kind of worn out on singers? I'm going back to my notes here. So. Let's see. I know. Yeah. I don't want to end it now because because Robert put so much effort into this. <laughs> well, I, I was like intimidated. I'm thinking, oh, these guys are gonna know all this shit. I, you just I, I don't know it all. Uh, That's the first but, time anybody said that on this podcast. <laughs> I, got, I got just a, like a uh, another twist. You know, we were talking about just literature and pop, um, you know, commingling or interpenetrating, if you will. Uh, podcast suddenly got the, sexy. The Velvet Underground's name, Lou aspired to be a writer. Velvet Underground name came from a porn novel. Uh, and he got his poetic, Lou got his poetic inspiration from Delmore Schwartz, the poet. And then Dennis Johnson, who wrote Jesus' Son, the the novel, novella, great, just great modern novel, uh, came from Lou's song, Heroin. So it all it all ties up. And then I started thinking about I don't know if anybody's read Dispatches by Michael Hare, what used to be a thing everybody read and uh, about the Vietnam War. And that is just saturated in music and and it inspired inspired uh, you know Francis Ford Coppola to, to to open up the script again for Apocalypse Now and have Michael Hare write that whole intro about shit Saigon, that that whole thing. Ah. And and Apocalypse Now is also the the, the movie um, the doors had fallen into su such disrepute, and it was Apocalypse <laughs> Now that resurrected them. Uh, oh, and wow. it all just kind of goes around in circles. And then I thought, oh, shit, Apocalypse Now also starred Mar Marlon Brando, who is in, um, was it, what was it, Wild Angels, where he, they ask him, you know, what are you rebelling against? He's the leader of the motorcycle gang. He said, what do you got? You know, yeah. <laughs> the you know, black, black rebel motorcycle literature club. turns into movies, turns into music to, you know, it, it all kind of merges. Oh, there's also what story songs were made into movies or plays or something. Oh, there was an Ode to Billy Joel movie. There was, uh, David Byrne has that play American Utopia, which is now a movie, true stories. Springsteen's okay. got that a Broadway deal going on. Oh, that right. Spring and, and uh, yeah, and, and they did a, a Dylan thing, Girl from North Country, which kind of got killed by the did pandemic. He, Frankie yeah, right. Valley had a whole Broadway thing going too, didn't he? Oh, that's right. They had that Jersey Boys or something. Right, right, right. All right, so songs songs that it's I got more notes, you know. Shakespeare fifty second street. <laughs> oh, songs I just Googled songs that turn into movies and what's the first fucking thing that pops up? Alice's <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> I hate that. 
Okay. Uh, but then they also have Harper Valley PTA. Oh, right, right. Uh, the Ode to Billy Joe, Yellow Submarine, The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia, The Indian Runner, Love Convoy. Number 9. Convoy. Oh! Convoy. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that turned into a movie, too. Oh, my God. I can't believe I forgot all about Convoy. The Gambler. The Gambler, uh, you're right. Yeah. Oh, it's a TV man. movie, I think. Was it? <laughs> and wasn't it starring Kenny no. Rogers? Yeah, I think to Kenny Yes. Rogers. Oh, that's right. You're right. It was starring Kenny Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> it was huge. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. I, I remember a woman I know, she's a, a relative, but she's, I remember one night we were out ha- having some drinks and she, and a Kenny Rogers song came on. She said, oh my God, that guy is so sexy. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, my God. And then she went on. So I never let her live that down. <laughs> oh. Doesn't Dolly Parton have, isn't there like a whole no. series of like little vignette movies of her songs? I mean, I haven't seen it, but oh, I, feel I like think she like did it. Yeah. Many Colors and Jolene. There, there is like a whole little mini series. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds familiar. Just recently. Yeah. Like in the last yeah. year. There's that a. There's a uh, Kiss Goes to the Amusement Park movie. Oh, oh. Right. Uh, the Rock and Roll High School, the Ramones. Huh? Rock and Roll High School, 200 motels. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah you've just gone, completely that, gone off the track. <laughs> that's a beautiful story. Uh, it's a redemptive story. It's about toys that come to life. It's, in the it's, about, of it's about how Santa's a... <laughs> Dick, he was a total <laughs> asshole to Rudolph. Well, they all were. I mean, well, yeah, like, but Santa. Oh, I'm I mean, sorry, your nose is too red. Yeah, mm. Santa's like, oh, <laughs> come on. It was. It's actually a horrible premise. He's hitting the, he's hitting the sauce. <laughs> oh man, he's Rudolph as a drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rudolph is now the anti-hero. The little kid, yeah, he's the hand Solo of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, here's one I did. We did Boy Named Sue. That's There's another story. I mean, that's one of Johnny Cash's most unfortunate performances, I think. Rush. <laughs> because it was on the fucking, when I was a kid, it was on the radio all the time. That fucking boy named Sue. And this is a guy uh, who's done this. I've heard he hated doing I, that. I'm sorry, anybody who likes Boy Named Sue. <laughs> I don't. I don't think either of those people listen to this podcast. <laughs> well, Robert, I think you kind of earned your spot as host more than I did tonight. So thank you. Thank you, Robert. Thank you for tying everything together. Yeah. You made me, you scared me. <laughs> Again. I was down here this afternoon, like kind of. Not only did I take three pages of notes, I went and then I kind of reviewed them again to make sure I had that shit right. Now you know how I feel every time I've got a new guest coming on. But I, but I feel like it's it's kind of like when you when I when I used to when I would go into a guitar store when I was younger and you'd be just so so intimidated by. I mean, and they would make a point of intimidating you. And oh, yeah. come on. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you want to try now? And I'm like, well, maybe I'll take it home and try it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't fit right, I'll bring it back. But, gosh, all right. So does anybody have anything they're working on right now? Any any, any news you want to promote? Anything before we, we, we sign off? Anything coming up for anybody? Uh, I've got this... Um... 
this this kind of electro uh, ambient Americana uh, raga thing that's coming out. <laughs> what what genre did you leave out? <laughs> Iron Maiden. That's Iron it's Maiden. A, it's a thirty minute long. Uh, uh, memorial to my dad that passed away a few weeks ago, and using his vo- old voicemails that I'd kept as the oh, wow. uh, the kind of uh, it, it's just sprinkled in there to this atmosphere. It kind of sounds like the soundtrack to uh, Paris, Texas. Um, yeah, wow. Or a dead man. It has that kind of like uh, a lot of slide guitar and organ in the background, and then his voicemails put over it. It's like it's like thirty minutes long, so. I'm I'm, uh, I'm going to get a Grammy off of this. <laughs> well, I'm, wow. I'm looking forward to that because I love Dead Man. It's, it's, right. it's really hard to edit because I'm used to dealing in things that's between three and five minutes long. This is, you know, 30 minutes. It's got movement to it. So, yeah, yeah. Which, which also, you know, it got, got me interested in um, instrumental lip pop like, because I'm kind, of, I'm kind of like trying to tell a story without words right now, just using found um snippets of voicemails that i have and kind of like piecing them together so it's it's been this is this has been a good workshop for me thanks oh <laughs> man my pleasure that's wow i'm fascinated by i can't wait to hear this yeah so, is this is this, this is separate from your your album you're working on yeah the record's uh, pretty much finished i might get my last edits back tonight right before uh we joined and it, yeah. it sounds great that's going to be a double album oh wow, wow. Well, I look forward to all of it as always. For uh, the rest of you, then <laughs> <laughs> you, you got Morgan played at our played in our backyard a couple of was it a year or two ago? It was a year? It had to be two years ago. Yeah, I'm hoping be, you come back. Oh, yeah, cool. we'll be back through California. I've got a show in. Um, we have a m- memorial for my dad uh, in May in, around San Francisco, and then. Uh, well, be I got a show in Portland in June. Yeah, in we're planning June. on coming to see you. Guys. I'm telling you, can we? Can we? Please do. Please yeah. do. And we're all we all got all our vaxes, so we're. Saying, you know, yeah, we're we can make cool. out. We can. We can. I brought. The, <laughs> I brought the booze down that we were. I think this is what we were drinking. All right, Robert. I know your novel is up for awards and stuff. Oh, that's right. I forget. It is. Uh, yes, it's coming, and I'll find out about that in June. So I was trying to make the most hay out of it in advance because I'm sure it's going to lose. If, first of all, it's, if one of the, one of the competitors is Elena Ferrante, you know, the, uh, the, the great Italian author. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I better make a thing about it. Getting this one. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still flogging it. It was such a shitty year. I mean, you couldn't bookstores were closed. Yeah. So uh, we really got, got fucked on sales for uh, that but so i'm still flogging and i'm we, in fact we were talking about doing a, a tour in the summer if, we, if enough places are open and oh nice yeah so that that i'm i'm still flogging that and there's a guy a young screenwriter doing a, a screenplay of of the book he's uh-huh. and so you know wow we'll good. see yeah yeah well, as my my friend is who is a, who's a screenwriter for a while said, yeah, well, you know, don't get too excited because <laughs> it could take ten years for it to happen. <laughs> this guy told me it's all going to happen in two weeks, oh. and that was four months ago. So, but it would lend itself to a to a, like a movie or a play. 
Well, that's it. And he he cut an excellent story song. I thought, yeah, it never would have occurred to me it it would. But this guy had had an idea about how to frame it so so that it would. And it was I was like, oh, that sounds great. And then I looked him up and he's like a hot young dude. I mean, I don't mean I'm going to isolate that. (laughs) (laughs) I looked him up and he's a hot young dude. (laughs) <laughs> you did that's gonna be that's, that's gonna be the, the the subtitle of this episode story songs i looked him up he was a hot young dude jordan what you got going on i'm um in the finishing stages of uh a finishing up album of covers that uh was inspired by a daydream i had about clive davis i was i was i was in the shower I was in the shower and I, I'd seen, I don't know if you guys saw the doc on Clive that came out a while back. Not yet, no. I mean, it's fascinating because this guy was an accountant and he and he somehow had this sort of this real physical gift of knowing what a hit was, you know. And it, yeah, I was yeah. fascinated because it, he he's coming at it from such a different world than me, and I sort of absorbed this strange man's uh, vibe overnight. And I woke up the next day. I got in the shower. <laughs> and I had this vision, you know, I've signed two record deals in my life. So I, so I know what it looks like. Right. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. I, and so I have, um, I have, I'm having this vision of Clive signing me to Arista records. <laughs> and he says to me, he goes, Zadarazny, he goes, you're all right. You don't have any hits. And he goes, hits are the lifeblood of the artist. He goes, I'm going to pick the songs. You go and do what you do. You're good in the studio. You know, you're not good at picking hits so much. So you go in the studio. I'm picking the songs. And so I'm picking songs that I imagine Clive Davis would choose for me. And it's sort of this exercise in really pulling myself out of my genre or uh-huh. genres that I'm that I'm familiar with. And, uh, of course, trying to put my own stamp on it. There, there are no versions that really sound like the original. Um, except for the ZZ Top one, but I mean, I'm doing Whitney Houston songs, so just imagine that. <laughs> wow! Oh, that sounds great. Do you remember when Todd Rungner did that record, um, Faithful? Faithful. Yeah. Where he he tried to make as absolutely faithful recordings of uh, the Beach Boys, and I forget what all. So and it's I a so different. Did really? Yeah. He did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Jimi Hendrix, uh, Beach Boys, Strawberry Fields Forever. And I, I so understand that impulse because you know how, um, what writer was it that said that like if you want to become a writer, sit down and copy a few pages of Fitzgerald just to know what it feels like. Yeah. And so, and, and I remember, um, what's his name, Carl from World Party doing the same thing with Happiness is a World Gun where he tracked down all the microphones and preamps that they yeah. recorded on the White Album mm-hmm. and, and talked to Jeff Emmerich and re- recorded the song you know as closely as he could just to know what it felt like to be inside of that greatness and i understand that impulse and i really had to resist it and in fact i rejected i went ahead and did a few songs that were very faithful todd style and i had to i had to throw them out they were not interesting uh i i I let them sit for five four or five days i went back to them and i was like oh my god why would anyone listen to this the original is the same but better (laughs) So <laughs> that I, uh, sort of sped, streamlined the process, and and now I sort of have a program. I have three more songs to do before it's oh, finished. So it's been fun, but I'm I'm kind of craving getting back to writing again. It sounds great. Yeah, what a great idea. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> What's, when 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 will it be out? To me, it feels like a summertime record. There's some real fun songs yeah. on it, so I'm 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 hoping to have it out by July. 
first single maybe in about six weeks, I think. Cool. Nice. All right, I'm going to go one more time because I forgot to ask this for you. Jordan, what's, uh, how can people follow you and, and look for that album? Spotify, everything's up there right now. So follow along and um, you'll probably get updates and stuff on new releases. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, all the usual stuff. All the Blink of the Star. keep up to date. It's all Blink of the Star. Yeah, Facebook slash Blink of the Star, Instagram slash Blink of the Star, all that. Bandcamp and all that. Bandcamp is uh, where, you know, I sort of make the most profit. So that certainly helps me as an artist when people purchase through Bandcamp. Excellent. All right, Morgan, what about you? How can people find this incredible epic that you're <laughs> set to release? Well, uh, don't get your hoax up and Google <laughs> Drunken Prayer. <laughs> well, I know you're on... Do a Google image search. You're going to want to do a Google image search. Um, and drunken prayer. It's a PDF of drunken drunken prayer, pretty much anywhere. This thing's coming out uh, for Father's Day, and then the new album's probably. I'm probably going to hold off on that till after the new year. Okay. Let's give me time to be smart and make some videos and stuff. So uh, keep an eye on Drunken Prayer for. Um, Bandcamp on all the social media and to follow you and keep an eye on what you're doing. Robert, how can people follow you and, and keep track of what you're writing and releasing? Well, Loudmouth is is at every is everywhere, and there's an ebook and an audio book recorded in this very room uh, by me. And uh, so th that's all on Amazon and all the n audible. But if you want to find out, a, I have a website that's mostly kind of loudmouth devoted, but it, but it has some wacky pictures on it. But it's kind of funny. I I don't know. I saw, funny is that, that where I saw Duncan a picture of Morgan? Com. Duncan writes like like rights with a pen, not like civil rights. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> was that fun to do the audio book? Was that fun to read the audio book or was it tedious? I, I really enjoyed it. I like doing voiceovers. I've done a bunch of voiceovers and I like doing that kind of stuff. And so I really enjoyed the reading of it. And, mm -hmm. and it was, you know, and that took me, I don't know, it took me two or three weeks to, to get through the whole book. And cause I was getting pretty picky about it. But what I didn't like is then I made the stupid mistake of editing it myself. I mean, Ooh. you know, editing the audio and I, you know, I know my way around, uh, you know, what was I using logic? I think this time, but I've been, you know, I've worked in, this is a studio we're in, but, um, holy fucking shit. Don't <laughs> ever do that. That took me, that took me months. And oh. then I had, I had a friend who was a bass player who actually was constructed this studio for me. And he says, Oh, I'll, let me, let me take it over and I'll, I'll do it all. And then that took him another three months. And so we actually missed the line. We missed the publication date. And it was like a disaster. And of course, well, whatever. They, they, <laughs> nobody seemed to care. And I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe we've sold one audiobook. I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I bought one. I'm <laughs> buying one. Okay, that's one. I'm going to buy one. I, I like doing I really like doing it. In fact, I, you know, I, I, I just as soon do an audio book than yeah. do a print book. Uh -huh. well, I'll tell you one, one cool thing I did recently was that uh, I had months and months ago, I had this guy, these two guys, uh, Jared Arto and, and Brian McFadgen on from Vacant Lots. And Jared has kept up with me. We, we chat a lot. And he did this project where he would pass along a message. If he responded, he would give you a name and you send that person a book. And then you 
you know, kind of like the chain letter thing through through uh, yeah. Instagram and all that. So, but he's a nice guy, and and I thought it was a really neat project. So I said, yeah, I'll I'll help out. So he gave me a name, and I sent him your book. Oh, and did it get sent back? I have no idea. <laughs> Ripped up. <laughs> I sent it directly from Amazon, no return address, so they have to keep it. <laughs> well, again, a lip pop kind of project. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah. this has been well, a lot you. of fun, man. Thank you guys so much for joining me. This has been a blast. Thank, thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. It's always fun. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 